This week on This Week in Blurred's Ball. Welcome to this week in Blurns Ball. But the sign said there was a mint in the box. Oh, Zoidberg. Oh, Zoidberg. I am your co-host, Ben Bloom. With me, as always, is co-host and executive producer and new father, Jacob Morris. Well, puppy father, but yes, I'll take it. Puppy father counts. You, you have the same ears. <laughs> so fluffy. They're so fluffy. We really do have to. He has my ears and my cold, dead eyes. Oh, dear God. <laughs> oh, man. So, as you can tell, there are a lot of exciting things happening in this week in the Florence Ball universe. I mean, we now have a mascot. That's Yes, we do. He might even make an appearance this week, depending on how he's feeling. Uh, having literally been adopted into the family today, it's a bit of a big day for him. So, we'll see how he's doing. Does, does that make me Uncle Ben? That does make you Uncle Ben. Uh Racist intonation aside. No, I was talking about, like, uh, Peter Parker, you know. Oh, Drake yeah, Parker, that Uncle Ben. Please don't die. Yeah, that was the Uncle Ben I was talking about. I mean. I, my mind went to the race. Mine went to the murdered Martin Sheen. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Martin Sheen. Yeah, in the otherwise forgettable Garfield Spider-Man, Martin Sheen did a great job. Yeah. Oh, man. Martin Sheen. Great rules all around. Oh, yeah. So, enough non-baseball. Let's talk actual baseball because... Actual baseball's over. It's sad, but it's over. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are World Series champions. Spoiler alert. Right? I mean, if you needed a spoiler alert for that, you're listening to this podcast. Wow. Uh, Thanks for listening, Mom. Uh, I appreciate your support, but at this point, you really don't need to. I mean, we've gotten to 39 episodes. That's that's some real great support. Uh, thank you. Isn't this the 40th episode because of the time vortex? Yes. Well, this is the 39th iTunes released episode, so we're going by their count. All right, so non-canonical episodes don't make it. It's not like the Star Wars holiday special. It is... Exactly like the Star Wars holiday special. Non-canonical in every way. (laughs) But the point is, Dodgers take the World Series in six games. Mookie Betts is once again a world champion. And Sarah McLaughlin music isn't playing in my head right right now as I start weeping. I will remember you. Will you remember? I can't sing. I should not sing. And again, that game was, you know, like the focal point, like the big thing everyone's been focusing on is when uh, Kevin Cash removed Blake Snell, 
was it too early? Was it just the Rays enacting their game plan of no three times through the order? I mean, it's up for debate. It's still up for debate like a week later. I mean, if you look at it, probably he had the stuff to go through another couple of innings. But look at who was coming up. It was the heart of the Dodger order. Would Snell have fared any better than the guys who replaced him? I'm really not sure. I don't know. And the Rays stuck to their guns and lost. It's a little ironic that the very first game of the Rays playoffs, they benefited by a team sticking to their guns with their game plan, taking a guy out after the first time through, and then immediately getting knocked around. Uh, And that's how their postseason ended. Uh, What's astounding is how great a World Series this was for only having two lead changes in the whole series. That's incredible. I mean, like, and that's, again, just the DNA of baseball. Any type of game can be high quality, exciting, and just so incredibly different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it had everything. It had small ball. It had home runs. It had strikeouts. It had a Clayton Kershaw defining moment. It had this interesting piece of trivia. The last Dodgers pitcher, not named Walker Bueller, or Clayton Kershaw, who was a starter to win a World Series game, Oral Hershiser. And that don't just beat all. Yeah. Uh, man, the Dodgers have just been absolutely terrific with their starters named Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. And uh, other than that, it's been a bit of a train wreck, but they got through it this year. They, they got through after, it. Yeah. Like, like, I'd say like the, the three prior years of getting so close, two World Series runners up and one, you know, tough loss to the eventual World Series champion, plus the trash rows, plus not in a guilty scent. Not in a guilty scent. I mean, the, you can see it over my shoulder. That banner is still hanging. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, the World Series ends on a bit of a sour note. Justin Turner got pulled partway through Game 7, and it comes out that he had an inconclusive COVID test, which then came back negative. And then he's seen partying on the field with the uh, Dodgers in the postgame, not wearing a mask, uh, thereby exposing everybody to... Sorry, I said negative, negative meaning it was the bad result. Uh, That's okay. Yes, party and thereby potentially exposing everybody to, you know, a terrible virus. I mean, zero excuse. Like, you're pulled because you may have tested positive. When you do test positive, the first thing people say, even like, even like in the early days when we didn't know shit about this virus, was isolate, get away from other people so you are not a risk to them. I mean, it's a World Series. Like, I am certain, I am certain that someone could have brought a bottle of champagne to his hotel room where he was isolating. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It, but but yeah. what this really draws me into a question is how secure was this bubble? If after like 76 consecutive days of no positive tests from MLB, a player participating in the World Series in their bubble gets COVID? What happened? Yeah. It, the microchip has been compromised. Like, that, there, 
if that happens, that questions the integrity of the bubble. It questions the security measures. And I mean, I, I don't want to just throw shit into the ether, but were there other positives that were discreetly disclosed and not addressed publicly? I mean, again, that's like reaching, I will admit. But at this point, like if you're questioning one thing, you start like other things come into doubt. Yeah, it absolutely is how it goes. Uh, I I don't want to be the conspiracy guy who says, oh, no. yes, and they were covering it up. But, like, <laughs> it really casts doubt on were, were they really that good? Was it really that secure? Or was there a cover-up? I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of money riding on them getting this playoffs off correctly. It was in the order of nine figures. Uh, there's a and, lot of things business people will do for a nine-figure payout. And here's another hypothetical. What if the Rays come back and win that game? What if there's a game seven with a player who has now confirmed tested positive? Then you would think, okay, that player is not playing. You we have to retest the whole team. Do you have to retest the opposition? This could have there. It's not inconceivable to think that this World Series could have ended in a tie and a fourteen-day delay. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. It's it's very fortunate for baseball that the Dodgers won in six. That they were able to finish it off because who knows what would have happened if he had tested positive and they lost that game because the bubble was compromised there, man. It was no two ways about it compromised. And of course you hope that he's okay. You hope that no one else gets infected. You hope that he recovers quickly, but you also have fans in the stands and this thing is airborne. And I know that, you know, like the transmission is like, has to be like relatively close proximity, but if I'm a fan and I like, unless there was something in the language of getting tickets that, you know, you sign away any waiver to, you know, like there could have been potential litigation over this. Like, Hey, you said this was safe. I bought a ticket with, with you saying this was safe. Like again, it, it, it mars what was a really, really entertaining world series. It absolutely does. And I mean, like you said, close proximity, extended period of time, that's a baseball locker room. Yeah. Like, he put the entire Dodgers team at risk there. And, man, Major League Baseball is lucky that the Dodgers won that game because that, that could have broken real bad real fast. Oh, and, again, like, well-earned win by the Dodgers – but it, it, it's the season ended the way that, like, like with a, you know, with a, it's a very sour note. Yeah. And it's like, again, throughout the season, throughout all the podcasts, you know, that we've done, we've said, okay, this is the week it ends. This is the week where it's game over. They don't have this shit under control. They didn't have this shit under control. Like, like the, the bubble, like, again, you can't call the bubble a success when, when someone gets, 
when someone gets infected. I mean, we're going with Batfleck logic here, you know, even that 1%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Major League Baseball is that friend in the zombie movie who wouldn't tell you if he got bitten by a zombie. I mean, to be fair, the NFL is that friend in the zombie movie who wouldn't tell you if they got bitten by the zombie, but Major League Baseball is also that guy. There's just a lot of professional sports leagues who are that friend. Yeah, I don't even know how the hell the NFL season is going to wrap up. Like now they're like thinking of contingency plans for if they can't finish the regular season to expand the playoffs, to have more people interacting with their faces. Yes, exactly. Smash into one another with your faces close together. You won't get COVID. Sure. Sure. But again, congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Suck it, Houston. And when the hell are we going to be a title town? Title town. When the hell are we going to be able to talk about real baseball again? Like, I mean, I think if we get a vaccine in the timeline that they're talking about, which is uh, first quarter 2021, so March or April, we might have what looks like a semi-normal season. Uh, I don't know about 162 games, but an 130-game, 120-game season uh, with moderate levels of fans, uh, about one-fifth to one-quarter capacity stadiums. Uh, It might look like a semi-normal season next year. If vaccines are delayed for any reason, who the hell knows? Yeah, I mean, I still don't think that the Blue Jays will be in Toronto. Next, next season. I think that that very much depends on the outcome of the U.S. election. Oh, yeah. This, it's election day right now. <laughs> it's election day. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's probably too late for you to go vote because uh, this is 520 Eastern time. And uh, by the time it gets up, it will probably be after polls close. But just in case, if you haven't voted yet, go vote. If you're in line by the time polls close, they can't turn you away. And if you're in Hawaii, you got to wait in line in Hawaii. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, but back to baseball. Uh, we've got some pretty back great award this. races this year. Uh, yes, we do. The AL MVP, like upset special. This is only the second time in his career Mike Trout hasn't been nominated for MVP. Wow. And he had a pretty good year. Yeah, nothing, nothing to sniff at, but this year, your three choices are Jose Abreu, DJ LeMahieu, and Jose Ramirez. So two candidates coming out of the Central, and then of all the Yankees who could be in line for MVP, DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. Okay. The, the least the unlikable the, Yankee? I mean, like... You, you, you put up big money to get Giancarlo Stanton. You hype the living daylights out of Aaron Judge for good reason. He's a monster human who can hit home runs, play, like, scratch defense, and, you know, is only pawn in game of life. <laughs> but DJ LeMahieu does fucking everything for that team. I mean, my personal pick for AL MVP out of those three is Abreu. He was just monstrous this season. Did absolutely everything. Put the White Sox on his back for stretches. And uh, unfortunately, they fell apart in the playoffs. But 
MVP and all awards are not based on playoff results. Just ask Mike Trout. <laughs> yep. Just ask Mike Trout. Over in the NL, it is a battle. We've got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and who's three? Who's three? And Manny Machado. I mean, there are convincing cases for all of them. Again, I would put Mookie over the top on playoff performance, but that's not how this works. Um, there's a terrific mm-hmm. argument for Freeman because it didn't look like he was going to play this season. He was. He thought he was going to die from COVID. Uh, he had a 103.8 degree fever the week before training camp started. And then he played as an MVP level. Absolutely. And, I mean, we can't... And, and again, Machado had a great season, too. And, again, like, guys like Abreu and Machado, they were two of the... They were the two best players on the two most exciting regular season teams. Yeah. And, yeah, both of those teams going back to the playoffs largely based on their efforts, that's worth merit as well. I mean, I'm biased. I think Mookie Betts takes this, and deservedly so, mostly because I want the divine punishment to stop. Like, I, like, I don't know how many more golden calves I have to melt with the wrath of Charlton Heston to make this suffering end. You're going to have to melt a lot more. I mean... There was some real divine punishment for trading Mookie Betts. You don't just trade the second best player in baseball for pennies on the dollar and not get the divine punishment of the baseball gods. Yep, I will walk 40 years in the desert for that. Like, And then there are scenes in the director's cut where Chuck Heston just starts getting angry at people, which, yep, just chunk up some more on the, uh, on the divine uh, wrath uh, tab. How, how have the Red Sox, twice in their history sold arguably the best player in baseball for pennies on the dollar. In fact, in one case, literal pennies on the dollar. I'll, I'll tell you why. I don't know, but it's tradition. <laughs> tradition! Tradition! Da, 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 tradition! This concludes our oh, musical segment. So <laughs> and back to baseball... For the Cy Young, we're starting off in the AL. Toronto fans, perk up your ears. Hyunjin Ryu is one of the Cy Young candidates in the AL, along with Shane Bieber of Cleveland and Kenta Maeda, who could have been a Red Sox because, fuck, okay. uh, Uh, Let's move on to the next one. I think Bieber is probably the winner. But Ryu has yeah. a great argument for it. Uh, he was terrific. His ERA was sub three. I think it was two six nine, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He had more than a strikeout per inning. He was everything the Jays paid for this season. Uh, and I mean, if that's what you're getting in the first season out of him, it makes the next couple of seasons a lot more palatable, even if there is a decline. Absolutely. And then we go over to the NL, where. Jacob DeGrom from the Mets, Hugh Darvish of the Cubs, and our least favorite, most favorite human being in baseball, Trevor Bauer of the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, Trevor. Oh, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor. (laughs) It's going to be Thor. You you mean the other guy? No, not Thor. Yes. Other guy. I get them. Other guy. I get them confused. Yeah, the only time the Mets win a game is when DeGrom is on the hill. 
Yeah, and even then, it's it's dicey. It's fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least he doesn't have to hit anymore. Remember the time he got hurt hitting, and uh, then the Mets lost yeah. like fifteen games in a row. That was that was the letdown. Yep. Uh, so, should we look at managers of the year, or do we want to run down all of the Gold Gloves? I think we go to manager of the year because it segues nicely into our next segment. Ooh, segues. Great visual humor on an auditory medium. Remember, you can watch us on YouTube. Our channel's name is This Week in Florence Ball. Man, we, we really need to get gifts. <laughs> we'll figure it out one day. <laughs> yeah, one day. Let's start with the NL for managers of the year. It's Don Mattingly, who still has not shaved his sideburns, David Ross, the Gray Wolf of Chicago, and Jace Tingler of your San Diego Padres. I mean, it's got to wow. be Don. It's got to be Don. They made the playoffs when they lost half the team for half the season. In a normal year, yeah. Tingler, Ross, they have great arguments to make. The teams overperformed what they thought they were going to be. But this year, of all years, sorry. it's Shave those sideburns, Mattingly, and pick up your award. Still like him better than Steinbrenner. <laughs> yeah, no, no arguments here. I mean, when you have to quite literally plumb the depths of your farm system and the Sochi Olympics and still get good players and keep everything the fuck together and make the playoffs. Yeah. More than deserved. Like you get dealt a shitty hand and you manage to figure shit out on the fly. Going back over to the American league, Kevin Cash, the uh, AL pennant winner, Charlie Montoyo, the galactic brain who lost to the AL pennant winner, and then Rick Renteria, who isn't employed anymore. Hey, Boston Red Sox, you could hire a potential uh, AL manager of the year. I mean, we all know they're hiring Alex Cora. We all know they're hiring Alex Cora. Who should have been AL manager of the year in 2018. (laughs) Uh, But... Considering that manager of the year is uh, shorthand for exceeded expectations by your team, I think this one might be going to Charlie. I was going to say the same argument for Renteria. Uh, Yes, but the Jays went from having the fifth worst record in the league to making the playoffs. It was one of the biggest turnarounds in uh, history based on winning percentage. it's. I, I think that a lot of guys will look at that and say, wow, Charlie was at the helm of that, and especially because it was a lot of young guys that made that big step. Renteria, absolutely the same argument. And Cash, the Rays, year in, year out, are great with a yeah. lot of scraps. All of these guys have great arguments for why they could be manager of the year. There's my two cents on why I think it could be Montoyo. It just as easily could be Renteria or Cash. And again, it'll be interesting to see how those shake out. Meanwhile, speaking of Renteria's former employer, the Chicago White Sox, they went a different way with their manager hire. Yeah, Tony LaRussa, Hall of Famer Tony LaRussa. Hall of Famer Tony LaRussa, who is quite literally from a different era of baseball. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
he used to manage the White Sox in the 70s. Yeah, back when they were wearing leisure suits and shorts. Yeah, back when the logo was S-O-X in big letters across stripes. And then, of course, you know, like, famous for managing the Bash Pros in Oakland and then for his long tenure in St. Louis. I do not understand He's why they... fossil, man. Yeah. What the hell are they doing when they have so many other potential managers who would work better in that locker room, who would work better with how the game is managed today? I mean, I to LaRusso's credit, he is a guy who, when he has been in the dugout, has not been opposed to, shall we say, alternate styles. Mm-hmm. He's been willing to adapt his style to the game as it's played. He has not been a stick in the mud saying, no, my way or the highway. That said, he's 75 years old. It's a very Hispanic clubhouse. He is a very white guy. Uh, there's a lot of different ways they could have gone. There's a lot of bright young baseball minds they could have brought in. And they went to Tony Larusa. Who knows? They're galaxy braining this shit. Maybe they'll win the World Series next year and we're going to look like idiots. But looking at this in November of 2020, it's, it's puzzling. And especially if you look at some of the comments he's made this year. I mean, after uh, Fernando Tatis bat-flipped a grand slam, which was awesome. Awesome! His reaction was... Direct quote, I should say. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, maybe... Man, I'm playing devil's advocate for the White Sox hiring Tony LaRusso here. What the hell is going on? Maybe they wanted to bring a little more professionalism into the clubhouse. Maybe they felt that the reason why they lost in the playoffs is because they were too loose and uh, not taking it seriously enough. But they won a lot of games this year by being loose and having fun. Yeah. And Uh, I think if that strategy works in the regular season, you stick with it in the postseason. And they ran into a pretty tough opponent in the playoffs. Like, you can't, you can't uh, discount that side of things. So, yeah, I mean, I don't get the move. I think they could have done a lot of different things. But it all but guarantees that Alex Cora will be back home in Boston. So I'm okay with that. It does. And it guaranteed Detroit a great manager. Yeah, A.J. Hinch finding a nice landing spot in Motor City. They've got a bit of work to do to turn shit around, but A.J. Hinch made the Astros not garbage. Yeah, A.J. Hinch has a great track record. I mean, you know, it was aided by Oscar the Grouch, but (laughs) he's been part of some very bad teams and turned them into very good teams. And the Tigers need that experience of managing a clubhouse when the team is bad and is employing a lot of top prospects who are just coming in and trying to build a culture and then turning them into powerhouses. And hopefully this time they won't be banging on drums and doing their stomp impression. (laughs) Oh, stomp. Man. This is why Broadway like bothers me. Is stomp still a thing? It has to be. I mean, I'm pretty sure the American Tinnitus Association has campaigned outside and protested against this production. But, yeah, 
it's a thing. If they can make a musical about cats, why not garbage cans where cats live in? Fair enough. Now, what they should make a musical about is Star Wars. I mean, just get Bill Murray. Star Wars, look at those Star Wars. He already, there. There There you go, there's your theme song. Opening number. If they should bar wars, let Star Wars stay. Oh, man. Speaking of Star Wars, The Mandalorian is back. The Baby Yoda show has returned, ladies and gentlemen, with even more Baby Yoda than before. I know. So much Baby yoda He didn't even do anything in the first episode back, and he was great. He hid in a spittoon. That's adorable. He hid hid in a spittoon. Timothy Oliphant was in it as not Boba Fett. Boba Fett's armor showed up. And so did Timuera Morrison, because, yeah, Django's back. Oh, Boba, but yes. Boba, Django, one on the same. Uh, A Krayat dragon uh, with the alien reveal that it spits acid coming out of a mountain. That was better than smog. Yeah. Well, I mean, smog was disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it was fun seeing Holmes and Watson, like, talking to each other. Yes. But, I mean, Timothy Olyphant... I believe you mean Doctor Strange and Agent... uh, What's his face? Yeah, Agent Ross. That is exactly what I meant. (laughs) Yeah. Man. Um, But, yeah, like... Uh, again, like I've heard people say that you know the Mandalorian is justified in space, so why not have Timothy Olyphant in it? Yeah, why not? I'd like to see him come back, and they have definitely laid the seeds for him to come back later in season two. Also, I'm shipping him and Cara Dune because I feel like that would just make like the the uh, Beskar on Mando's helmet go go a little tingly. Oh yeah. <laughs> You got um, yourself a stew. And then you got yourself a stew going. <laughs> so Mandalorian is back. I'm excited for the next episode. And again, if all Star Wars is doing is going back to its roots of ripping off Westerns and samurai movies, please keep doing that. Yeah. And have enough adorable stuff that we can, you know, Okay. Moist. We need to have an episode of Mandalorian that's Rashimon in space. Because oh my God. Space Simon. Because that is literally what Star Wars is based on. That's not how I remember it. <laughs> Thank you, Homer Simpson. <laughs> oh my. Uh, but on a more serious note, this week we lost uh, perhaps the patron saint of this week in Blurns Ball. Uh, Actor Sean Connery, the original James Bond, the king of the bad movie, uh, passed away at the age of 90. Uh, I also didn't realize he was 90. Didn't we celebrate his birthday this summer? I think so. Uh, But, like, he aged like a fine wine. He got old without looking ancient. And that's the thing. I mean, in the later Bond movies, like, you could see he was wearing a rug. But the minute he embraced it, and he went from Bond to, you know, mentor Sean Connery. He grew out the beard. 
And yeah, I mean, like such a huge part of our movie childhoods because of course, you know, like the Bond films notwithstanding, he was Indiana Jones's dad. Yeah. That's like, just, like the, the, that's, he was Highlander. He was, I'm not going to get to the movie that we were going to mention, but we're going to mention it later. Forrester and Finding Forrester. Yeah. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> Pound the quiche. The, the greatest, the, the greatest Scott ever. Yeah. He, he absolutely was the, well, he was the greatest living Scott right up until he wasn't. Uh, so this week on Connery's Corner, in honor of Sir Sean, we are not going to talk about a bad Sean Connery movie. We're going to talk about the best Sean Connery movie. That's yes, right. We we're talking Hunt for Red October. You told me we were talking Zardoz. What the hell is this? <laughs> I mean, I love me some Zardoz. Yeah, but... Zardoz. Zardoz. Uh, that's the one with the mankini before Borat did the mankini. Yakshamash. very nice. Uh, Hunt for Red October. It is the perfect movie. It is great on cable on a rainy weekend. It is great on a big screen. It is great with or without subtitles. You don't need to understand what he's saying in Russian or Lithuanian, whatever it was. Uh, Has one of my favorite translation, not even translation, transition moments in movie history where he is reading the Bible verse and it zooms in on his mouth. And as he says, apocalypse, which is the same in both Russian and English, it transitions from they're speaking in Russian to they're all speaking in English with British accents, but we just know they're actually still speaking Russian. Comrade, can I ask you a question? Yes. Why is our captain sound like Scotty from Star Trek? Why do we sound like Chekhov? He's Jacob's gun. <laughs> yes. Uh, so everything about this movie is fantastic. The like oh, the Soviet side of things, like holy shit, like and just his character arc is like movie perfection. And of course, this is all counterpointed against Jack freaking Ryan. This is the first. This is the first Jack Ryan movie, yeah. and Alec Baldwin, young Alec Baldwin, young Alec Baldwin is. <laughs> Perfect as Jack Ryan. I mean, they did lots of other Jack Ryan movies later. They had some of all fears where Matt Damon was Jack Ryan. They had... Oh, yes, it was Ben Affleck, not Matt Damon. Uh, They had Patriot Games with Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan. Uh, Harrison Ford had a couple of turns as Jack Ryan. Get off my plane. (laughs) That is essentially where he played President Jack Ryan. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, which happens in the books. It's kind of stupid. Uh, yeah. But Alec Baldwin pulls it off because he's still young and hot enough to be an action star. But so he's <laughs> But he's also nerdy and bookish enough to be convincing as an analyst. That's what I didn't like about Krasinski. He was so buff. He was How could so this- buff. How could this guy be this nerdy, bookish economic analyst when he was built like Superman? Maybe if he kept his gym body. Yeah. But again, like, and, and there was enough of that Baldwin streak of being an asshole 
that made you believe that, okay, he's not just an analyst. He's an analyst, but he's also Alec Baldwin. Yeah, but he's the, he knows he's the smartest guy in the group. Yeah, and Darth Vader recognizes it. Terrence Mann runs the goddamn Navy. Yes, oh my, so well cast. Tim Curry as a Russian submarine engineer. Oh man, Sam Neill. Sam Neill as Captain Borodin, the second in command on Red October. I would love to have seen Montana. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, it was, the, was, cook, the cook did it. The cook did it. I mean, that's a spoiler, but we're spoiling like a 30-year-old movie. There's no such thing as a spoiler in this movie anymore. Also, uh, Rooney. Rooney is in it. He discovers the Caterpillar Drive. Like the vice principal from Ferris Bueller is like one of Jack Ryan's old mentors who's like, this is a caterpillar drive. It's a typhoon class. They could be on Ellis Island and we wouldn't even have our pants on or something gross in Asia. Something gross like that. Yeah. Uh, it is. And it's played out so well. The, the intensity of it just builds and builds and builds. Every time I watch this movie, I am on the edge of my seat, even though I know how it ends. I'm going to rewatch it tonight, even though I rewatched it recently, because every single time we know how it's going to end, we're still gripped with suspense. It is the perfect... Okay, I was going to say something crazy, but it is the second greatest Cold War movie ever made. Oh, okay, what's the greatest? Dr. Strangelove? 11 women and 8 men. <laughs> Fucking love Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. Doctor Strangelove, yeah. Doctor Strangelove, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the A bomb. I have a plan. My God, I can walk again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, terrific movie. Uh, but it was also made at exactly the right time. That everybody was worried about the Russians in the eighties. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal movie made at the perfect time with the perfect cast. They. Oh could not remake it today. It no. wouldn't work. No. Uh, now, I've heard rumors that a future season of Amazon's Jack Ryan is going to adapt Hunt for Red October. I don't know how they're going to do that. I have an idea. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. I've heard that. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that. Alec Baldwin in the Sean Connery role. But, like, is it still a Russian sub defecting? I mean, yeah, I mean, that whole concept of defecting. Like, if it was an Iranian sub, maybe, but then you... uh, You cast uh, Alec Baldwin as, you know, uh, as, as as like, Captain Pedrad. Like, that's not going to work. No, it doesn't work. Uh, There's there's so many pieces that just don't work, even though it would be awesome, and, like, I'd totally be down to watch it. It's just, it can't hold a candle to... What is one of the greatest films of all time? Uh, the advance was Petty Officer Jones. He discovers the Caterpillar Drive. He's working the sonar. And Stellan Skarsgård plays himself. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Just angry, chain-smoking, need to go murder those people. Yep. Oh, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, he's, he's awesome. Apparently he's a teddy bear in real life. I believe that. Also, of the Skarsgård acting dynasty, there are so yeah. many of them. The, the, pretty much like if Ingmar Bergman had a laboratory, he would create Skarsgård. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he would. Uh, so, 
having gushed over yeah. Hunter Red October. Love that movie. And uh, rest in peace, Sean. We will miss you. Uh, shall we move on to our Futurama episodes of the week? Yes, we shall. Would you oh, like to no. go first? Wait. First, we have a guest appearance. Careful whose legs what? This is Ampersand, the new mascot of This Week in Learn Spall. For those of you who are listening and not watching, go to This Week in Learn Spall on YouTube and you will get to see an adorable puppy. <laughs> adorable puppy time. Oh my god. It's like, it's like I want to reach through the camera. I know. I just want oh, to cut on him so much. Buddy. You're a puppy. How does that feel? <laughs> and he's peeing. He is peeing all over the console. Oh, so he's going to stay here and cuddle with me for the rest of the episode. Yeah, how am I going to keep up a professional facade while, <laughs> while I'm staring at that? <laughs> yeah, we're professional here. Totally. Okay, so... I will go with my uh, Futurama pick of the week. Who's your puppy? Who's your puppy? Keep it together. <laughs> I'm going with Reconcilable Differences. <laughs> Good episode. Or Murmur Firmer and Consequences. We've got Sergio Aragones making a guest appearance. We have Orson Welles and his cheese log. We That's have... It. That's a great reference to um, the Greenpeace commercial. He's licking my face. <laughs> and of course, Paul Masson references. You've got Zach Brannigan making an appearance. Surrender with dishonor. Nixon. Nixon always makes an appearance. And again, just like a great, you know, like some of the great, like, uh, like B tier characters making an appearance and really stealing the show. Yeah. Uh, I am going with Bend Her. Uh, when Bender cheats to compete at the 3004 Galactic Olympics by dressing up as a woman and competing in the women's events, uh, then has his uh, bot oil changed so that it's fem oil, uh, so that he doesn't get caught and uh, falls in love with Calculon. And then they have to break them up in the most, uh, the most ridiculous soap opera way so that Bender can go back to being Bender. Hail, hail, Robonia, a okay. land I didn't make up. Yeah. <gasps> oh, he's licking my face. He, no, oh, where are you going? Where are you going? He's scampering. Oh, he's licking the headphones now. So remember, you have to feed him and water him every day. But not after midnight or he turns into a gremlin. Yes. That, that, Them's the rules. Uh-huh. But how long after midnight is no longer after midnight? Is it when the sun comes up? Is it 1 a.m.? Or is it like Saturday where we had two 1 a.m.s? Oh, an extra hour of 2020 is like a bonus track on a Yoko Ono album. <laughs> Not an original joke, but I'll take credit for it. It's funny because it wasn't entirely her fault that the Beatles broke up. Yeah, but you know her music's kind of lousy too. A little plastic Ono dish. He stepped in his water dish and his legs are all wet. Yes, that's water. Smells like water. Okay. Classic game of the week. If 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 I can't. I'm too distracted by puppy. (laughs) (laughs) 
So once again, this is just a reminder that if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, you can find us on any of the major podcatchers. Bye, Puffy. Bye, bye, Puffy. We are widely syndicated, widely available for all of your listening needs, wants, and desires. You can find us wherever fine podcasts are given away. Yes. You don't have to pay for this. And why would you? If you're paying for this, why aren't we getting any? If you're paying for this, you have been seriously duped. Yes. Dupe. The Fet Diplomatic Order of Planets. This <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Dupe. We will use lasers to cut ribbons. <laughs> uh, headquarters in Hoboken, New Jersey. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on YouTube where This Week in Florence Ball. Uh, that's where you can see all of our visual jokes and also our puppy. Puppy, 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 puppy. We have a mascot. It's fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, we'll post photos of him on the Twitter. Yes. Uh, you could also follow us on Twitter. We're at This Week in Learns Ball. Instagram, we're at This Week in Learns Ball. And Facebook, where we're... Oh, shoot. No, we're not at This Week in Learns Ball. I'm too distracted by the puppy. We're at TWI Learns Ball on Twitter and Instagram. You yes. can find us by searching This Week in Learns Ball, though. We're This Week in Learns Ball on Facebook, though. Uh, and you can follow Ben and myself. Ben is at Benjamin K. Bloom. I'm at JMS Morris. Uh, I promise there won't be as much political stuff after tonight. Until there's a Canadian federal election, because that's what this year has goddamn come to. Yeah, it's, to it's you know, it's going to be like on Christmas or something. That's how this year is going. Yeah. 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 The puppy is sniffing my feet. Well, at least you're still the worst football player, Hank Aaron, the 76th. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I think that brings us to the end of this week in Florence Ball. I'm going to go play more with the puppy. You lucky bastard. Enjoy. <laughs> I will enjoy. Well, you can just get your own puppy. And then we can have two mascots. Ooh. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. And then the puppies could be puppy friends. Yes. And then we could be friends with the puppies, which is really the end goal. <laughs> yes. And then I could be friends with your puppy, and you could be friends with my puppy, and then it would be puppy domination. We could let them host a podcast. It'd probably be as organized as ours. As organized and far more popular. Oh, yeah. The Pupcast. Ooh. Be right back. I'm trademarking that. Get to it. For this week in Blurns Ball, I'm Ben Bloom. I'm Jacob Morris. Thank you so much for joining us. Farewell from the world of tomorrow. Coming up next week on This Week in Blurns Ball. You got a puppy. Oh, my God. We got to keep talking about the puppy. I know. We've talked about the puppy so much. This podcast is just about puppies and the Mandalorian now. Oh, my God. What if your puppy met Baby Yoda? Would that <laughs> cause a cute nexus that would destroy us all? Yes, it probably would. But after this year, I don't think that's the worst thing possible. Puppy time!